Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, thanks for joining me again. It's Ben here. Good to have you along. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Anthony Vaughan of E1B2 Collective. Anthony is a thought leader and also a fellow podcaster in the world of employee experience. And he is um, from the E1B2 Collective, which is a collective of brands and practitioners which are built and designed to change the way organizations design work and implement employee experience. So, Anthony, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, good to have you along. Um, so for context, firstly, whereabouts in the world are you based? And then secondly, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the E1B2 Collective? Yeah, so I'm in here, uh, Maryland, USA, in the United States. Um, and a little bit about me, I, I'll keep it really brief. Uh, and guys, please go back. Uh, ben, this is an amazing podcast, so I'm sure you're listening <laughs> to all the different episodes. But a um, little bit about uh, me briefly. Uh I have been an entrepreneur through and through my entire career. I started a company at 19, another at 22-ish, ran that to 26. So from 19 to 26, I was an entrepreneur through and through, made uh, a series of mistakes with those companies when it pertained around employee experience, people operations, leadership, behind the scenes, started studying and researching and understanding the nuances of those mistakes. I then took those learnings and those experiences and applied for the very first time in my career to become a head of people um, with no prior traditional HR experience, just about five, five, 10,000 hours of data and research and a perspective. Um, but I backed that up with starting and founding and running six and seven figure brands. And so uh, if your listeners know anything about this space, it's very rare to find a head of people of that prior entrepreneurial yeah business acumen, if you will. And so I got the opportunity. Uh, I was furloughed at the top of COVID. Um, a little bit before COVID, though, I started my podcast. I started speaking, writing, advising companies. So started itching that uh, that entrepreneurial itch that I tend to have often. Um, and then finally, I started the E1B2 Collective about two months into COVID. The, the thesis was very simple. My goal was to try to find any way possible to operationalize employee experience. Within that brand, we have uh, Beyond Brand uh, Studios, we have uh, Beyond Resume, we have Project 2030, and we have uh, a company called Startup BX, which Ben, I didn't even tell you, is actually going through an acquisition here, which I'm really? very, yes, and I can maybe talk about that as well, but. Very, very excited and, and thankful and honored about that. Um, and which course, brand was that? Sorry, Startup BX. Oh yes, yeah. I think I actually talked to you about them when we first met. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, all right. Well, let's start with the Project Twenty Thirty, though. Please, please, and, yeah. and then we'll flow on. Yeah. So, uh, Project Twenty Thirty is an exciting new uh, program. Tell us a bit about it. How'd you come up with the idea, and what's what's in it? Yeah. So again. As with any business model, it's a long kind of road, but the long story short of it is, um, I had the honor to speak at about 16 or 17 SHRM chapters at the university level, you know, John Hopkins, 
Arizona State, uh, uh, San Diego State, a, a, a bunch of kind of major universities here in the States. Um, they were predominantly filled up with graduate students, so not undergrads, so graduate students that were generalists within the HR world that wanted to try to understand more about the role to become uh, bigger and better HR leaders and practitioners. Through those talking events, I realized very quickly that they had no idea how they would inevitably become a VP or CHRO at the highest levels of organizations from a career mapping track perspective. Um, and they had that desire. And this is what I now realized was the first time in history that the majority of these folks actually wanted to become this instead of naturally falling in to HR, which typically happens to the to the you know, to the most of the practitioners here in this space. And so I realized that I needed to fill that void. And the void is the following: Project 2030 at its simplest form, we are helping the career mapping journey for those that for the first time in their career, they're nine years in, they're 12 years in, they're 15 years in of being an HR practitioner. They want to try to figure out a way for the first time to become a CHRO or at least a VP, VP level HR executive. And we are going to help them make that transition successfully. And so I want to give you, I want to stop there because you probably have questions and I can expand more about that brand in a bit. Yeah, that's great. So you're doing uh, talks for the Shroom Trap chapters uh, for the students there on career and HR and what's available and how they should develop their career. Is that right? That's what those were focused on? A little bit. The majority of those were also focused uh, very much around uh, a lot of the strategic aspects of employee experience, because as you oh, okay. know, the universities kind of stick on the like the bread and butter, traditional compliance, legal, yep. um, yeah. super traditional aspects. And OK, so how did you make the transition to this higher level um, phase in the in the career? So you're looking at what the HR manager level, those folks who are wanting to move up to the VP type of role sometime in the near future. Um, what lessons did you draw from those shroom talks? And then how did you develop what was to go into the project 2030 talks? Yeah, I think that I think the message and the and the, the, the nuance and the, the the patterns that I started recognizing were actually really, really simple. They had two desires. Number one, they had a desire to get to the VP level and get to the uh, highest levels. And again, this is the first time in history for most folks, right? Again, most CHROs that we know of today fell into the role somehow, some way, naturally over the course of their career. They didn't typically from 22, 23, 25, 27 want to start making that transition or start thinking about it from like a career aspiration standpoint. And then the second gap that I realized is that they had no idea about the strategic leadership initiatives and responsibilities that the role actually required. And they had no understanding of how they would start to understand some of those strategic elements along their journey, because most of their roles they were realizing were very much individual practitioner type work. And so they were scratching their heads of saying, hey, I'm 27 here, I'm 29, I'm 32, I'm an individual uh, practitioner here, when am I ever going to have the leadership strategic projects, initiatives, opportunities to make the necessary steps and progression to actually become 
a VP or CHRO. So I realized that through my talks. Oh, okay. And so what sort of research did you do to work out who your target market was and what they wanted? Because I know a lot of people listening to this will at some point have thought of developing a training course or some sort of coaching program to sit alongside consulting work. But I think it's always really important to understand uh, not just what you're going to sell, but who you're going to sell it to and what are their intentions and desires and wants and pain points. So how did you understand what all of that stuff boiled down to for your target audience? I decided to start to have conversations with about 50 folks. I decided to have about 40 conversations with uh, with active folks that I think would be a great fit for the cohort itself. So again, mm -hmm. these are the titles that I'm going to list off. These are HR generalists. These are HR managers. These are you know employee experience culture leads. These are the types of roles that you will see kind of identified on LinkedIn. Their their experience levels were again nine years, seven years, six years, twelve years, fifteen years. Um, and I went directly to them via LinkedIn, requested an invitation to kind of connect. And we just got on a phone call for about 30 minutes and I asked them very deep questions around, did they, did they have an opportunity to do some of the strategic work? Do they have a desire to do a lot of that strategic work? Are they even aware at a very deep level of the nuances of the strategic leadership work? And then the most important question of them all, Ben, do they have a desire to keep going down the path to inevitably try to become a VP or CHRO? So I got that data from them. Um, and then I got data from the highest level. So VP, CHROs, and I wanted them to think back to when they were 24, 27, 32, or when they first got introduced to HR, think back for a moment. What was the learning curve like? What were the elements of the learning curve? Was it a big learning curve? And so all of my theses were answered through those 50 or so conversations. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's a lot of conversations. I'm curious, when you're doing the message, because LinkedIn is so crowded, ever since the global pandemic, everyone's been crowding onto LinkedIn. So what was uh, the reaction of most people when they got a message from you that said, hi, you don't know me, but can we talk? They were, uh, they were a little bit skeptical as always, but the way I, you know, I did the copy, I said, look, I'm just looking to gather some research, looking to get a perspective, looking to be, you know, looking to get a thoughtful answer here. And then I also alluded to, if you look through my, my profile here, um, I'm a practitioner within this work. I love this work. We're, we're allies within this work. I'm genuinely looking to get some feedback. And so the way that I posed the, the conversation was really from that space. And then also, Ben, if you look throughout my, my content, if you look throughout my profile, there's nothing that's obvious to them that would, would kind of, you know, recognize any red flags. And what I mean by that is there's nothing in my content. There's nothing in my companies that are so overtly obvious that I'm trying to sell something or trying to take something from them. It really looks like, and you know, this is the truth. It's not a facade, but it really looks like I am a true practitioner of the work and a true advocate and a fan and a leader within the work. And I'm genuinely just looking to build community and get some insights. Nice. Yeah, that's excellent. I, Highly recommend that approach. In the tech world, there's this concept called get out of the building and it's with the tech startups. And uh, I've forgotten the name of the uh, Graham, someone anyway, but 
um, he advises all these tech startups who are highly funded, you know, mm -hmm. backed by venture capitalists to get out of the building, go and talk to people, real people, rather than just doing research online and Googling things. So I love the fact that you had all of these conversations. Yep. Yeah. So that was really well done. And did that also inform how you were going to structure the course, i.e. the program, what was going to be in it and how it was to be delivered? Or do you, do you sort of develop that yourself separately? I had a thesis, but then again, like I said, I wanted to stress test it. And frankly, Ben, I'm still stress testing it. So um, like any great entrepreneur, I think in 2021, you sell it, then you build it. So we're actually still building the cohort as we're going along here. And so we're still stress testing it. So I had a thesis around some of the core topics that should be involved in the curriculum. But then throughout those conversations, I would say, look, here's the curriculum. Here's the breakdown break it, add it, change it, tell me it sucks, do whatever you want to it. I don't personally care. I have nothing to do with this. I am nothing more than a facilitator of thoughts. And I want to know if those thoughts and those theses are, are correct. I personally won't take any offense. And uh, through those conversations and through that really transparent, um, uh, I, think, uh, I think a removal of my ego, I was able to really recreate the thesis to uh, the thesis in the in the uh, in the curriculum to make it a little bit more contextual and empathetic to the real problems that they were having. Um, but again, Ben, like I'm saying, we're still we're still making adjustments to the curriculum. We have a we have a drop down date of the end of next month where we're actually will finally start to kind of plant our foot firmly in the ground to start really uh, locking in topics and, and areas of the curriculum. Um, but we're still, we're still getting data. Nice. Uh, what was the phrase you just used earlier there? Um, sell it, then build it. Yep. So that's a very common thing in the startup world. Yeah. Sell can you talk it? Yeah, please. I can. Um, yeah. Sell the things, right? So come up with a thesis, make a simple landing page, make a simple three page deck. And then, and then, you know, puff your chest, chest up a bit, get excited, go on great podcasts like this, create some content, get in front of some people and see if people can get behind the thesis, the energy of it. And if people can do that, and then you go into those conversations looking for them to dive deeper into nuances, they will start to give you a lot of context, a lot of information that will allow whatever you're building within your thesis to be that much better. Um, and then once you actually sell your thing, so it could be a product or it could be like in our case, trying to fill up a cohort. Once you have the money, you already know what that does, Ben. That only, that only puts um, confidence in your mental you know, framework and, 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 and perspective of what you're building. But now you had the peace of mind to then really build exactly what people want, not off of what you think people want, but actually what people want. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And did you take competition into account? Did you look what's out there already? Because there's nothing new under the sun. You've got to find your place in the world and your niche. Did you look at competitors and, and how did you, I don't know, what did you take from that? I did. And you know, the funny thing is, as I was looking, there was four new companies that are very similar in our model that popped up. So I actually get super excited about that when I see that happen. Yeah. yeah. What's that? No, I agree. I think it's scary when there's no one else around. You think, oh, maybe there isn't that demand. But when there are, it's like accounting firms. You see them all over the place, but people still need accounts. It's it's when you saw no accounting firms anywhere that you'd be scared or maybe this is the wrong idea. So I agree. It's good to have competition. 
Exactly. And then what I realized, um, and I'm willing to put this out to the world, there's no issue. Um, what I realized is none of the services were able, were, were, yeah, none of the services, none of the programs that were coming out wanted to do the, the hand-to-hand combat, face-to-face, nuanced uh, learning and development. And so what I mean by that is the way our curriculum is set up, 90% of the information, you are directly face-to-face via virtually, obviously, talking to uh, an active head of people, an active CHRO, um, active folks that are going to teach you these things. The most of the things that I saw were automated, you know, pre-curated content that was a self-serve model. And so um, I think with this type of work, you need to really talk to someone and be able to do Q&A live rather than a self-serve. So that's how we've decided to make ourselves a little bit different. Yeah, no, I like that. I really like that. So uh, what is involved in the program? What content in the, is in there? And then how do you structure the delivery? Yeah, so I can get a little bit into the content here because it's something that uh, we're really big fans of and we're just proud of how we went about it. So um, I'll give you a couple areas of it. One area that we're really excited about, like I said, is prepping for the actual um, interview itself. So think about the the target here. You're For the very first time in your career, 12 years, 10 years, 9 years, 15 years, you're thinking about becoming a VP of people. You're thinking about becoming a CHRO. But here's the problem, Ben. You've never ever in your history of your work had to be that role. So you've never had a team of 10, 15, 20, 30 folks, depending on how big or small the, the HR company or the HR department is. You've never had to try to convince a CEO or a CFO or a COO to buy into your initiatives. Maybe for the first time in your career, you've actually never asked yourself, what type of head of people do I actually want to be, right? Like, am I really obsessed with people analytics? Is that my strength? Am I really obsessed with DE&I? Am I really obsessed with making sure my executives, my managers are showing up for our people in a really contextual way? And so executive coaching may be in my back pocket. Am I really obsessed with like global HR and global work? So there's, there's legal things and, and compliance things that I'm really obsessed about. What's going to be your, you know, what's going to make you different and make you stand out when you go through the recruiting process of trying to finally, for the first time, become that? So there's, that's one portion. Um, the other portion is once you're actually in the interview, how are you going to sell yourself? How are you going to pitch the type of, you know, CHRO you, you actually want to be and that you actually are? How do you tangibly, and this is something we're going to actually help them build, how do you tangibly leave the cohort and walk away with a 30 and 60, 90, 120. So these are days, a plan of how you're actually going to build a lot of these programs within the organization. And then some other pieces of it, Ben, as we get into like some of the rabbit holes of, to- of, of topics. So we get into the importance of tech within HR. We get into the role that DEI plays within HR. We get into, you know, um, you know, what DEI actually looks like as you being the person that runs that department at a high level, you know, how do you go and find trainers and all these folks that are going to kind of come into your organizations to help you support these things? We then get into, you know, uh, developing your continuous roadmap of, okay, you leave the cohort now, what do you need to do now, right? Like, what do you still need? Like, are you ready immediately to, to apply or do you still need to prep and, and get some things done? And then I think the last thing I'll say, Ben, 
is uh, we're really excited about trying to also show them the leadership side of things, right? So what is HR leadership? You know, how do we go about strategic thinking? How do we go about delegation? How do we go about change management? How do we go about conflict management? You know, how do we speak the language from a leadership perspective and communicate with the CEO or the COO or the CFO and get buy-in and, and really present our initiatives and, and all these things. So um, that's just a little taste yeah. of what's going into the curriculum. It sounds excellent. It's uh, I was going to say that it's a bit like a an HR focused MBA, but it's it's a lot more than that because you're you're helping them get the role, land the role in the first place. But then you're also guiding them on how to implement things, lead the teams, etc. So yeah, you've given them the theory and the practice. I, I like the concept and I like what you built into it. How do you plan to fill the program and expand over time? Yeah, so we're doing a couple of different approaches. Um, we're, we're taking a direct approach. So via LinkedIn, I am going direct to the folks that I think will be a great fit for this. And I'm doing a two-pronged approach. The first is I'm being very honest and candid about what we're building and I'm seeing if they want to be interested in learning more. Um, and then the other approach I'm doing is a little bit more of a passive long-term approach where I'm looking for them to just give me some feedback on what we're building. And, and again, it's still stress testing the curriculum itself. And then once I have them on a call, I'll be able to really have a deeper conversation around, hey, now that you've stress tested, now that you've seen what we're building, is this something you personally think you would be a good fit for? Because odds are you probably are. And I'm being very thoughtful about looking through their background on LinkedIn and really picking out the individuals that I think would be a good fit. Um, so the biggest thing though, Ben, that I'm doing, and I don't know if you remember my background, but partnerships is something I do very well. Yeah. Um, I'm getting in touch with all different types of companies. So we're looking for HR tech firms, HR tech products, all different types of companies in that space to sponsor a certain percentage of the company to get that consistent revenue going for us. Um, we believe that those folks should want to get in front of the next generation of future heads of people. And remember, these folks are going to be applying in the next 18 months. So these are not like five, 10 years down the road. If, I'm an, if I have an HR tech company, right? I'm, I want to build a relationship, a direct relationship with 30 folks that are about to, for the first time, apply to go inside of companies. Because you and I both know, when you go inside a company as a CHRO, you're going to come in there and you're going to either clean up house or you're going to bring in your suite of tools or you're going to bring on a new suite of tools. You're going to do things a little bit differently. And so we're going to talk to those folks, see if they want to sponsor. And then the last thing, Ben, we're going directly to uh, CHROs that are active slash HR kind of like influencers, right? Folks that yeah. have been doing speaking, folks that have been doing consulting, folks that have been playing at a high level within this role for a long period of time because they probably, and this is something we're finding out, have mentees. They probably have connections or relationships where they can make some introductions for us. And that's that's really what we're banking on to fill up the cohort. That's an excellent plan. And I've spoken about the concept of fast and slow methods of, of marketing. So you've got the faster where you're going direct outreach, direct messaging. That one happens to be via LinkedIn, but there are many ways of doing it. You can do advertising or Google or 
uh, cold email, LinkedIn, et cetera. But on the other, on the other hand, you've got the slower methods where you're uh, building relationships and connections with people and then potentially partnerships to leverage that and scale it up even further. Um, I don't really want to be asking about your pricing and stuff, but how did you go about uh, researching or deciding on how to price it? Because I'm guessing it's the individual who pays, not the company, uh, because they may end up leaving the company. Is that right? You're, it would be a case of the individual pays. And then how did you sort of work out your pr pricing levels? I'll speak on the company really quick. If a company is smart, and let me just put this out just for content, at, at, at just to put it out to the world. If a company is smart, like if this is a big company we're talking about, and this, it would have to be a big company because as you know, Ben, some, you know, mid-sized companies, small companies, they don't typically have a big, large unit of HR folks. But if you're a smart company and you have four, seven, 12 generalists slash HR managers slash folks that do a lot of little like culture work, and then you maybe have one VP and then you have a, a, a CHRO at the very top. I, if I'm a, if I'm a CEO of that company, I'm I'm paying for those HR managers of six to six to nine years. I'm putting them through something like this and 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 marking it down as a learning and development initiative for them because that, I don't know. There's a lot of good there, so I'm I'm not going to expand there. I, I probably would do that, but um, yep, yep. besides that, for besides those folks. I think from the pricing perspective and kind of how we decided to go about structuring it. And Ben, actually, can you give me the second half? Because I, I lost my... Oh, just the, how do you actually price it? As in yeah. what sort of research do you do? And Yeah. Because I know that people listening to this, for instance, who might be, uh, people might be thinking about how do they price their own programs, courses. Mm -hmm. It's always a big issue that comes up. Yeah, I'll give you a bit of it. Uh, and again, we're not we're not playing around with it anymore. We're pretty we're pretty locked in, but we were dancing around how we wanted to go about it. So we, I'll give you the psychology. We number one had to just be very thoughtful and careful about the realistic bandwidth of what we were able to pay. I mean, we're, we're able to charge rather. So we looked at all the other programs that were similar to us, and we looked at those price points, and then we stress tested it against. The different variances of of the the different variances of value that we feel that we bring versus those companies, we then just like decided to take like a practical psychology look at just life and humans and what you know the psychology of a person within that role would uh would pay for their own developments and their own learnings. And so we looked at Sherm kind of courses. We looked at like other courses like the PHRO, like all these other kind of certifications and courses and programs that folks like this typically pay for. Um, and then the last thing we did from a psychology standpoint is we also kept in, kept in mind their salary, right? Like these folks are probably in the States here, they're probably in the 40,000 to $55,000 range. And so we wanted to also be thoughtful around, you know, the, the, the type of stage in life they're at. These folks are probably married, just got married, maybe thinking about getting married, maybe one kid, maybe two, maybe another's on the way. Uh, you know, they're still in the psychology mindset to to invest in their career, but they also have their, their overhead starting to grow a little bit. Maybe they're trying to buy their first house. So we're trying to keep all that in mind when doing the pricing. And then obviously the last thing, Ben, we had to be very thoughtful about, you know, our margins, right? We, we have a goal of what we want to kind of have to, to take home. We also have a goal around what we want the business uh, 
at, at a macro to, to gross and make. And then, um, and then we also have to keep in mind that uh, we want to have the best facilitators, the best speakers delivering content. And those are not, uh, those are not cheap either. Um, yeah. But again, if you remember what I said before, what I'm also trying to do is I'm trying to get sponsors to take care of certain things to, to kind of blow out our margins a little bit. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And did you uh, talk money to the people that you interviewed? I did. I did. So we talked money, not many though. So we talked money to 15 folks that we felt would be the perfect fit for this. We probably, frankly, between me and Ben probably should have talked to more, but we talked about 15. Yeah. That's what we it's better than nothing. Say that again. Uh, 15 is better than nothing. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, we talked to 15 and and we we threw the number out that we were thinking and all of them didn't bat an eye to it. So mm. feel good about that. Plus also, I think for anyone listening, you've got to think about the end result of whatever you're delivering, whether that's consulting, coaching, training, whatever it may be. What are the end benefits? It's not just here are eight videos or some texts that you're going to read. It's you're changing someone's life or you're changing employee engagement, whatever it may be. And then you can calculate hard or soft ROIs. So whether that's um, reduced stress on the, let's in, you know, the air quotes, uh, soft ROI, but in your case for this particular program, there's a hard ROI in, in the sense of, of much higher earnings in the future, if they can win these higher roles. So I think that's um, a solid, you know, marketing angle to take. I appreciate you saying that though there, there's a few hard uh, ROI things that we can really connect. Uh, they'll get a job. And 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 not to say that we're the main reasons of why they're good a job. Meaning, not to say that we have any recruiting partners, though that may be coming where we can actually help them get a job. That's a whole other thing that I probably shouldn't have said, but it's in my mind right now for like cohort two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's objective. Like you said, there's an uptick. So they went from fifty-five thousand. Now they're at six figures. So that's a big like increase. And then also the retention, right? The, the, the leadership, the strategic, all the other things that we teach them within the, co- the cohort and the course, um, they'll be able to translate that into their role. And so when they get into the role, hopefully they're a little bit of a, the learning curve won't be as steep. So, and we all know this happens at times, hopefully they stay with the company a lot longer. So now that six figures is not only for maybe a year, now it's a two years, now it's three years, now it's four years. And yeah. you can kind of credit that back to us as well. So we've thought about those things as well. Absolutely. And as a, a separate spin-off product idea for Project 2030 is the fact that if, once you've got a few of the cohort groups through, you then have the opportunity to keep them together as a, I don't know, a, men, a networking group, a paid networking group, a mastermind type thing. Um, so from a product perspective, there are other opportunities there as well, right? Yeah, that's a fair point because me and, you know, Laura and I, my partner, we've all, we've already admitted that at some point this will, this will be a, uh, either a burnout for us. Um, but I will say this, Ben, and I don't know if you remember this about me. We are very much doing the entrepreneurs, entrepreneur founder initiative with this. And when I say that, what I'm talking about is Laura and I are not doing, that's a lie. There's 5% of it. <laughs> Outside of 5%, we are not doing any of the facilitation of anything. We are doing things like this. We are creating curriculums. We are recruiting partners, recruiting staff, 
building out teams, filling up cohorts, marketing. I mean, we are running the company. And so I do think this is a scalable initiative where at some point we'll be able to go into cohort 20, 30, 40, 50 and have managing partners where we'll actually have folks that do the whole A, A to Z process and we're literally just be full founders overseeing everything. So I do see, I, I do see it scaling. Sure. And that answers a question then I had of, in terms of the people coming onto the program and for you setting up the program, that they're wondering, well, who are you to teach me to be a CHRO if you have not been that yourself? Uh, and I'm guessing the answer is you've, you're bringing people in who are going to be facilitating acting as mentors and uh, trainers in these different areas. Is that right? Thank you so much for saying that, Ben. That's the first thing that I get out of the way when I have these talks. <laughs> when they look, when they, uh, when I had this conversation trying to get people in the cohort, because when they look at my background, they're very, you know, let me, let me, let me uh, I guess, pat myself in the back and be a little bit egotistical for 12 seconds. <laughs> when they look at my background, they're like, they're like, very impressive, very cool, very great, but you've held the head of people role at a startup of 90 and the, at a startup of 200 people for five years or six years. So who are you, frankly, to say how I should become a head of people at, let's call, let's say Microsoft or head of people at, you know, any fortune, a hundred or 500, whatever company, right? So um, I made it very clear to them. The only piece that I'm frankly touching, Ben, in something I think I've done a really great job of is the professional branding piece. The talks that I've been a part of, the, the, the money that I've made through keynotes, the podcasts that I've been on, the PR that I've been able to cultivate around myself, the way that I cultivated my point of view around this work via my podcast, that is the only piece of this cohort that I personally am delivering. Um, they will be taught by active CHROs of big companies and or you know smaller companies as well because not everyone has the luxury to work at the huge you know biggest companies of the world but these yep. folks these folks are, are are active chros of being in that role of five years seven years 12 years 15 years 20 years so the you know you will not be taught by a novice like me you will be taught by folks that really know what the hell they're talking about i love it well there are two big things that are jumping out for me, in what you've said so far, one is for the people who are thinking of starting some sort of program in the future, here's a, an excellent roadmap for you to follow. And Anthony's really guided you through the, di the different steps and given you some tactical ideas and tips, uh, as well as the big picture. But then also for people who are running their own existing consulting firms, what Anthony's just described there of him sort of overseeing and setting everything up and then guiding the process, that's what you'll see when firms start to scale up and you move out of that solo uh, business into a larger, you know, mid-sized firm and beyond. So that's an excellent process and a, a roadmap for you to follow. Um, Anthony, what would you like people to be listening to this to actually go and do? So in terms of the program, um, in terms of spreading the word or sending referrals in, uh, what would you like people listening to do? Uh, reach out to me personally via my LinkedIn. Um, that would be great. I'm sure Ben, you'll probably link it up with the show notes. Reach me out, yep. reach, out reach out to me personally via my LinkedIn. Um, if you are an HR tech, yeah, I, yeah, let's let's actually pause that for a moment because we're actually not fully onboarding the partners yet. Um, okay. focus, yeah, let's focus fully on frankly 
two types of people. Let's focus on the connectors, aka, you know, active CHROs, active folks that are just really, really passionate about this work. You have some mentees under your belt. You would love to come onto the podcast, the Project 2030 segment podcast, and just talk about uh, the perspective of the, of the problems that I'm trying to solve. And you'll be open to making some introductions. And then the second type of person is the direct folks that we want to fill up this cohort with. So if you are a generalist, an HR manager, a head of culture, all these other things, you've been in the HR space for six years, nine years, 12 years, 15 years, you have a desire for the first time in your career to be a VP of people or head of people or CHRO at the highest executive level, um, reach out to me personally via my LinkedIn and we'll set up a direct meeting. We'll walk you through the cohort. That's great. Uh, yeah, and for people listening to this who are consultants, if you might be going in and uh, doing projects or supporting existing HR functions, the person who's brought you in there for those projects might be the ideal person to send onto the project, uh, onto Project 2030, because they may be looking to move up to a VPHR or CHRO role in the future. Um, so there's a, a potential way of looking good anyway to your, your client or end users, they say in the tech side of things. Um, before we finish up, Anthony, you mentioned the, an acquisition process in the works. What's that all about? Yeah, let me, uh, let me, let me expand on that really briefly here. Um, so something that, uh, something I'm excited about is Startup BX, the company that I told you about initially, um, that brand is um, a company that did not do incredibly well financially over the last year, like I hoped it would. Um, and we were, I was, as the, as the CEO, the operator, I was considering us shutting it down just due to being able to track out where I thought it was going to go. Um, and there's a lot of reasons around why we were considering shutting it down. I jokingly made a statement to myself that I could find someone to buy the company that um, I would keep running it and I would operate it as its own company inside of a larger conglomerate. I made that joke. I thought of one person though and booked some time on her calendar, frankly, as a joke, just to catch up with her. Um, what turned from a joke turned into a very real thing. But again, it was a very strategic idea in my head that was kind of a joke, but really super strategic. She has a traditional HR firm then, very traditional, very, you know, onboarding, um, HR, you know, compliance, legal, you know, all these things that are very traditional uh, work. And she does not want to touch any of the strategic employee experience things that we do. And so she, we are in the process of adopting the seven person team that I have. Um, and all of the services that we have. And then we're going to dissolve the entire Startup BX brand name. Um, and she's going to take all of the services, all of our bandwidth and put it in house, spit it out through there. But the fun part about this, Ben, is I get to stay on and run the company within her brand. So wow. A to Z, I can staff projects, scope out work, uh, run kind of initiatives A to Z, uh, find new staff, hire new staff, so I still can run full A to Z operations of Startup BX underneath of her logo, just have to share a little bit of the money, but I have no problem with that because that's what a merger is and I feel good about that. So um, I'm excited. Wow. Now, yeah, now we get to run the company bigger and better than ever. 
So a traditional HR function consulting firm is merging with a more of a strategic side, cultural change type consultancy, merging those two together, your people are joining that business uh, and they're merging under the old school brand, I'm guessing, but with a, a service line and then you're managing the service line within that business. Is exactly. that right? Exactly. Wow. That's very exciting. And it's a, and it's a tip, Ben, that you probably have heard of these things or you've probably have culture advised people around these things, but you know, I know you have a lot of consultants that listen. I mean, this is a tip that I advise folks to do. Think about this seriously. Like if you are a company where you're, you're, you're having trouble uh, with a consistency of a revenue perspective. And when I say consistency, I mean, you, you cannot predict in any given month or any given year, how things are going to go or any given quarter for that matter. Um, I believe it is a great idea to find, because here's the win for her, Ben. The win for her is the following. She had no desire to even get into this space. She's turned down six figures worth of business in the specs and scopes of work that we do under Startup EX. So overnight, she increases her, her financial means overnight. Like overnight, her business doubles. Um, she does not have to run the business, meaning she does not have to manage performance, scope out work, like she has to do nothing. Like I'm the full operating partner internal. Um, so it's a great win for her, great win for me. And I think a lot of folks listening to this could probably do very similar acquisitions or mergers on, on Absolutely. you know, either being the company that gets acquired or acquiring other companies. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're, you're that's got your mind racing, do get in touch. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of different businesses at different times who have either merged or seeking uh, merger partners or strategic partnerships. So yeah, definitely uh, always interested to hear more about that. That's fantastic. So, well, Anthony, exciting times ahead for you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Pretty busy. We'll see, man. We'll see. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to survive here. I joke around people all the time. Like how things go. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to, trying to figure things out. Um, One thing that I'll give a tip to as well, Ben, to your listeners, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a consultant, when you're independent, um, it's an experiment. You're a scientist, right? Um, you're just trying things. You're just trying to figure it out. You're just trying to prove theses are right. And that's really all I'm doing. And so that's kind of kept me in a really positive, progressive mindset because I'm just like, I think I'm right. I don't know if I'm right. Let's find out. And that's all I'm really trying to do. I'm just trying to bring value, help people and trying to make things happen. Just trying to survive. Absolutely. Um, Anthony, I would not have been able to sleep if I'd not thought of the person I was trying to remember before. It's Steve Blank, the guy who said, get out of the building. So if you could mm. you just go to steveblank.com, he's the guy who talks about get out of the building and talk to people, which is what Anthony did. And uh, the other one that jumped to mind is the famous book by, um, Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week. And in that he did rapid testing. Like he'd spend a hundred bucks running Google ads to a, a certain landing page, which would make an offer of selling something. Um, it, it's a way of prototyping things. So yeah, like you've just said there, Anthony, you can test things and uh, gather data and just evolve. And I'm, I'm absolutely confident that the various iterations of the program, the project 2030 will look different and different over time. So um, it's very exciting. And uh, I wish you all the best with it. I will absolutely put the link to your LinkedIn and to the E1B2 Collective um, I'll also stick, stick in the Steve Blank and, and the uh, book that I just mentioned. 
Um, but Anthony, thank you very much. And I wish you all the best with it. Ben, I thank you. I, I really appreciate everything. And thank you for the opportunity. And um, looking forward to uh, connecting again. Definitely. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.